So, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, whatever this is. This is Match Bailey alongside my critique of Crime, Ricardo Medina. Hello, hello, hello. And this is another episode of BS Beats and Bailey. I know it's been a while, folks, but, you know, just things had to get done, life had to live. Um, just trying to deal with, you know, just, just a lot of things work-wise that I had to handle on my end. And then, right. of course, just trying to get them done before, you know, the big elections that we're having um, a couple of easy times recording here. Um, right. But no, we don't want to bring up any politics here. So just no. just let you on the right. Um, yeah. So if if media if we... and talk. Well, sorry. Here's just to talk about well, films and you know TV shows and this stuff worth talking about. Yeah, unless unless the material is political, which yeah, it yeah, isn't. Yeah. Which it isn't today. But uh, yeah. mm-hmm. well, last week if we did if we did have an episode, we would have done a couple of documentaries. Um, so those I would have probably talked about, but I don't really feel to talk about it now. They're basically uh, just... You, you, you can mention the, the names, by the way, right, so at least um, some that I know about, I could um, check right, them out on my uh, Yeah, both, both of them I, I do recommend. So just quick mentions. Um, I'll Be Gone in the Dark, a six-part documentary series on the... On the um, this guy's uh, is uh, based on a, a woman who's wrote, writing a book about the... I forget his name, the California Killer or something like that. And I've I've actually heard of this um docu series right. from HBO and it's been yeah. getting a lot of of, of praise actually. right and well yeah. the woman was I I'm familiar with the story because it's Pat Nozzle's wife um well ex wife um who got got who died uh, right. that's that and then the other documentary was oh gosh what's the name of it boy uh it's about um Doza Man I think or Doza something it's about right. the guy we had a guy who built a, a bulldozer and was leveling a city. Okay. It's that guy. <laughs> the whole document. <laughs> yeah, I was like, all right. Oh, uh, yeah. Name of it is, name of it is Tread. Name of the document. Ah, Tread. Interesting title, but all right. right. All right. Uh, also, uh, just quick, wanted a quick mention, couple of mentions before we continue. Uh, recent book by Lindsay Ellis, uh, you know, okay. fav- probably one of our favorite people on the internet. She's really, really funny and clever and really well done. Generally celebrated person. Uh, she had a finally a new sci-fi novel she released, I think about a week or two weeks from now ago. Uh Axiom Zen. Pretty good. Pretty funny. Okay, so uh, so so you've, you've you've read it or you're just Yeah, uh, yeah, just, just, just finished it like yesterday, no well, yeah. Early yesterday. Uh right. finished that. Pretty good. Liked it. Uh mostly because uh, well, of the pros pros and self-referential stuff. It's not really innovative concept wise, but I think that is kind of the part of the the, the sell and the joke of it, but it, it uh-huh. goes in really some some interesting and strange directions. Uh, I think she got to the next one next year, so great. Hi, okay. Um, as as a as a writer yourself, right? As an author, right? Um, is there is there something in that book that kind of that that kind of had it, that kind of had you sorry like you know this is really cool and like I should uh, not really yeah, I'll what say... you did, but be like oh this is something yeah, what, that what... I should try to do one day. Well, I know about that. Um. I because the thing is the thing is the Turk, the book I'm coming out with uh is kinda similar in, in the premise. So her her book does a um a alternate two thousand seven. It's the year two thousand and seven, but it does like an alternate history where we would dis- where we discover um uh aliens in this story. I know these aliens was all on it always on earth and that's the beginning of the story. And it's a big a big part of it is language and these kind of things. And that's why why it works that it's very well taught out and conscientious in terms of that counterfactuality stuff because she really thinks about how life was back then in terms of like which words we don't use and these kind of things you know a lot of authors can make those mistakes now of, of um, suffering from anachronistics um in language now 
and she goes out of her way to like no make any of those mistakes. It's actually well done. It have a lot of like little dumb internet jokes in it. In fact, it have a, a great recurring bit about a website, and it's a really old joke from 2007. Uh, so okay, <laughs> yeah, you'll see, you'll see it when I see it. You'll know it because it'll it'll show you the website, and then when you link the website, it'll it'll send you to something, and it's a classic internet meme, basically. Um, that. Yeah, the actual characterization works quite well. It's really good, I think. And um, like in the case of my book, it, it's an alternate 2040, um, where instead of well, in, it's not it's not uh, it's not aliens, but it's an artificial intelligence created, and the whole world freaking out that they see this thing coming. But it have a big twist to that, right? That's right. Uh, kind of sell out a little piece of my book, right? Um, but that yeah, that is what she does really well. And then and she what what why why she's really really talented in is her her prose. She's very good at like this, how to frame a thing, put it in the, in the context of that, uh, that section, and then how characters talk about it in a really interesting way. And she describes us in a really cool and interesting way. She says she's, she's um, inspired by Austin Scott Card from what I understand, and it shows. Um, that, that is where I was, I was watching it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that is, that is where she clearly pulled from. Um, but yeah, um, just, just a shout out to her. You know, Hopefully she'll do many, many more books uh, for us to read. Uh, and then last oh, nice, thing I want to nice, mention, nice. yeah, last thing I want to mention, <laughs> this is uh, a website, I'm uh, uh, sorry, a YouTube channel that apparently was on for a while, but it went down and he lost, like because of YouTube shenanigans, he got stuff um, taken down and then he brought back all, most, most of the stuff, you know, with, with slight re-edits to his material. And this is a, a YouTube channel known as Prim's Hood Cinema. Huh. This thing so funny so basically what this guy does do is this he'll review a basically a, a kind of classic black movie right right Hood, medicine society a bunch of movies yeah he, he, do, he did about i don't know about 20 so far right and all of them is classics right all of them mm -hmm. you know set it off right so it's always a black movie yeah, uh, yeah. but the guy, the guy absolutely hilarious right funny as hell uh the the, the humor is very mid-2000s so it's that that mid-2000s meme-ish Humor. He uses the N word a lot, admittedly. That's okay. kind of bottom a little bit, but they're not a big deal. Uh, right. But it is very, very, very funny. I recommend it. It's just him, just these real hilarious edits. But what, why, why this work is that he just do like, he just take like classic, classic audio clips from like really old, funny bits from the internet with black humor. Like, fuck. Oh, okay. I, I'm, I'm familiar with that. I know a couple right. of um, YouTubers who do that. Right. And then you'll yeah. cut it, in, you'll cut it into the material like as a description. And then you'll cut stuff. Yeah, it's really, really great editing, and it's, it's just this fast-paced style of humor, but it's, it's really, really work. And then the guy's voice is hilarious, too. So all of that is this filling tits. And it, yeah, I just truly recommend this channel. I really hope he does, like, all the other popular black movies. He does a lot of John Singleton, all of that stuff. All right. Really um, he, so he's only done, like, movies from the 90s, right? He haven't done right. any of the 2000s yet? Well, right. He did, I think, um, 50 Cent movie. He did, um, um, oh, gosh, it was a movie with um, Cameron and Mackay Pfeiffer in it, um, Oh, um, painful. Painful. Um, no, painful. Yeah, painful. Right. Yeah, I'd love to. I love to see his review of that, though. Right, right, right. So he just he just covers covers stuff, and he will just make like just hilarious commentary on it. It's it's like I don't know. It's a while I haven't been cracking up at a um, cracking up at a at a, at a good YouTube channel. I just run through all this material. I just laughing at that shit. I totally recommend the bad man. That's funny as hell, dude. Um, they just it just totally recommend it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm it's, I'm gonna check it out. I mean, this is probably, like your first YouTuber. Well, probably one of the first you've ever like uh, recommended to me. So I'm actually gonna yeah, just it's, it's just what I shout out because it's just I was just binging this stuff over the over the week, and I don't expect that shit to be so funny, Jordan. Um, yeah. and he um yeah, his, the funniest review for me is he is the um 
you review it. Oh gosh, uh, Players Club. <laughs> oh my God, a <laughs> show which yeah does doesn't hold up as much as at you all, might think. at all. But yeah, uh, wow. it's good. It's good though. You do barely. Yeah. You do a bunch of them. A bunch of them. All right. So that's just but, but quick mentions before we get start. All right. So my little bit of pre-ramble I want to do before we get to our shows here. Um, just two, well, two movies that uh, we were actually looking forward. We, we, we sorry, we, we were actually warning if it was ever, if they were ever going to get theatrical releases, and right. unfortunately, no. Um, this, these will be sorry, Antebellum and right, Mulan. Right. So right. just to start right. with Antebellum, Antebellum, sorry. Um, yeah, it's going to be making its way to well, PVOD in September. Right. So yeah, um, you'll have to be paying for it if you well, pretty much you're renting it, but yeah, right. like once you pay for it. It's it's yours, Yo, right? It's yours, right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's supposed to be well, um, with Antebellum, it's supposed to be we're supposed to get in this um September the eighteenth. Okay. Um and I mean while while I understand for studios and you know streaming platforms how this could work, um I don't think it'll make much of a difference when you have like piracy involved. But right, still, right. I mean a risk had to be had to be made, right? I mean yeah, this yeah, is yeah. Cool like to get to oh well the theatrical release, you're paying right. for a ticket quote unquote to see a movie. So that's right. the closest we're gonna get right now. Right. Yeah. And, and well, also yeah. um same thing with uh with Mulan actually. Yeah, so there's a big one. Yes. People one. who already subscribed to to the Disney Plus now had to pay had to pay a little extra. Had to pay twenty nine ninety nine actually to, to right. watch this film. So, right. Now ultimately ultimately okay. I do think okay I on the fence about that because ultimately I do think it is reasonable all things considered when you're crunching numbers. It is reasonable because basically you're paying the thirty dollars, but it's permanent, right? It's, you own it, right? Yeah. Uh, and you could say, well, you're really gonna be paying the seven fifty a ticket if you have a family because it's it's, it's seven well seven fifty by what four? So yeah, I kind of well, get like I, look, I could see the logic behind why they make this thirty dollar call, but I still think it was I, I still would probably go cheaper and just me at I'd probably go with a ten dollars or something like that. But I know it couldn't be free. Right? Yeah, I know, but but like, some people might look at that like the dog is Moon yeah. Ranger. It's one of the most highly anticipated movies right. of exactly of the exactly. year, man. So exactly. ten dollars. No, that's the thing. No, but you see halfway half we could have a lot of people who wasn't really hyped for any of the live action Disney movies anyway. But you see all of them was making money anyway. So Disney I think Disney's calculation is, is on point to, to be frank. Um but yeah, there's a big one. And here's the thing. This, I think this is the first quarter Disney has been in the red in 20 yes. years. Yes, yes, yes. I actually read, read an article about that. Actually, Study and... that. Yeah, boy. Ooh. Study that. That's serious talk. So, like, all right. Huh. I, I, get why, I, get, I get why Disney do what they do. I can't be mad at it. I mean, I, they had to do what they do. Like, I, I can't be mad at this. I mean, well, the next, the next one is the next domino is Tenet. Tenet. That's the only day. That's the next yeah. one. But, but Tenet, remember what I said, what I said about Tenet? It's kind of exactly what happened, which is they're just going to release it everywhere but the States. Like, just do mm. that. Like, that's yeah. exactly what they should do, and that's what they're going to do, which I fully agree with. Like, let the Americans wait. I mean, they don't effing up with COVID anyway, so, you know. Yeah. Um, I, I I just wish that we were one of the I don't know forty or fifty countries that get in the show, but right. Well, no, what apparently heard, not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What I heard is that the we got, I know I know Venezuela getting it. I think so, right? Or I see I see Venezuela on the list of of to be announced or to be decided. So that might be a thing. But I think we I feel we might get it. I, I think so. But we on the we on the low, the low end of the listener. Because problem is that we just always every, all of our pipeline stuff just comes straight from America, from what I understand. Right. Uh, 
So that is why I'm not sure because again, there's all of this, all of this networking politics shenanigans going down that that messing up thing and COVID. You know, COVID really exposed all these little little weaknesses in the system, all the little, little, little chinks and, and and weaknesses in the armor. COVID kind of sipping through and breaking apart. Now, so you get to see all of that. Um, but that's about it. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. This Mulan thing is a big deal, though. <laughs> like, yeah, it's nah, a big it, it is. It is. So, so they really, uh, they really, they really wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, here's hoping that we do get to see it um, in right. in September. That and and Antibella. Um, right. Last thing, last, but this is just me talking a little bit about YouTube. Uh, trailer actually dropped um, Tuesday, right? Eight times recording here. So I want to mention it briefly. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yes. I this is actually one of the Fred best Amter. trailers I've seen. Yes. For the, for, the, for for twenty twenty for. Yeah. For actually for a while though, for a long, long while though. I love the pacing of it. I love the tone of it. I love just the emphasis on, you know, black power and all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah. with Daniel Kaluuya playing, yeah. you know, real life figure, Fred, um, Fred Hampton. Fred Hampton, um, right, yeah. And I made Daddy the joke Young. that yeah, right. Um also well, he's the chairman of the Black Panther fa- um, family. Pa- yeah. um, party, sorry, I almost said family. Um Lakeith Stanfield is in it as well too. And yeah. I actually, I always I love the moment where you're seeing Daniel doing his speech, like he's doing that chant. And Lakeith just kind of watch him like, dude, you yeah. okay, boy? You, you okay? Yeah, and then yeah. he looks across to the to the audience itself. And I made a joke on Facebook. I say around the twenty nine to thirty second mark, your black your 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 black fist will turn into a middle finger dread. Cause then you see homeboy dread from Breaking Bad and, and Game Night, the white fella. Right. I forgot his name. I'm like. <laughs> Fuck this dude, God. <laughs> and I don't know what he there for. What so what this seems like, God, yeah. boy. I, I really okay. So so couple of couple of things that notable about this. Um, the director Shaka, I forget his last name. Yeah, I I, I forgot it too. Actually, I don't want to Young say. Young director. <laughs> nah, nah, <laughs> nah. Um, shit. Oh God, what's my name? But I don't, I don't do a little quick Google in here. All right, this would be Shaka King, right? This is his... Shaka King, right? Feature film studio debut. Right, right. So that is interesting that they get us like a relatively new, new, long, young director uh, coming through. I have no idea what this guy is about. I've never seen anything of his. I have to do some research now. Yeah. Um, so oh yes, and Ryan Coogler is involved as well. I forgot to mention that. Right. So. Yeah, but okay. So this was this was one of the projects that I knew Ryan Coogler wanted to do um, going forward because I know he wanted to do this. He wanted to do one based on you know it had a, a, a famous cheating scandal in. Um, I think is in in New Orleans, uh, a famous te- teachers te- cheating scandal. That was kind of similar to the movie that we watched with um with with Hugh Jackman. Oh, um, like but, like bad education. Okay, right, um, right. But it was a different different type of cheating, a different corruption scandal. But it was a familiar familiar famous corruption scandal uh, involving a lot of black students. And they wanted to do a movie about that, and then they wanted to do. You wanted to do a Mansa, move, Mansa Musa movie, which would be really fascinating, but that will require insane budget, right? Um, yep, yep, yep. Right. But uh, yeah, yeah, this, this, one, this one I knew was on, the, on the, 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 the roster. He wanted to do something on Fred Hampton. I, I knew this was coming. So I was like, oh, okay, this is what it's looking like. And yeah, I, I agree. Really impressive trailer. Holy shit, this had me pumped. Uh, yeah, I probably had me pumped since, since um, Widows. Probably one of the last, you know, big, you know, big touch trailer. Now, Widows, yeah. I liked a lot. Um, and of course, Daniel Kaluuya was in it, and you know in a, he, in it as well. he almost he almost yeah. stole the show. I must say that he almost stole right. the show. Yeah, no, with us is a movie that had some issues, but uh, is ultimately a movie I defend. Um, yes, I, I enjoyed it for what it was. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so I really hope I really hope they do a good job with this. I really, really hyped for this one. Yeah, the Shaka yeah. King fella, I just look up his stuff, see what's going on with you before I see it, and then it's a gas semblance or what 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 info. So yeah, right, hype. Right, right. And um so, guy's uh, name is Jesse Plemons. I always yeah, forget his name. Right. Yeah. Um and also we well this they, they, they say that we're gonna be getting this in theaters next year. So Right. All right. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, so uh, yeah, as I say, we want to do some. Yeah, we'll cover a little bit of you know TV. We have a premiere of a little show that I was waiting for for a little minute, for a hot minute, I should say. Uh, this is the new Star Trek animated series. We have not had a Star Trek animated series since Star Trek the animated series. Yes. Uh, called <laughs> called uh, Star Trek the Lower Decks, and this is right. some. This is derived from a very popular uh, Next Generation episode called the Lower Decks. Which was basically, well, what has happened if you, you see the, the nobodies, right? It was an episode okay. about All the right. nobodies. Yeah. yeah, and it was these, these four characters, and they basically used that as a working template to uh, make an animated series. It is from, well, my boy, uh, Mike McMahon. Uh, he has been doing some hot business for, for, for me for a while. Uh, and, well, from what I understand, it was, it was heavily derived as well from something called um, TNG Season 8. And what that is, it was a it was a joke Twitter account, right? That he decided effectively turn into a TV show, and it was easily one of the funniest Twitter accounts in a while. Like if you're a Star Trek fan, it was like some of the funniest shit you would see in a while. You might just used to just write a premise, and that was it. Just write a premise, and it was like a joke premise. But like at the same time, it kind of dreaded. No. Like yeah, right, it's right, right. Hard. But and it's, it but it's all based off of like Star Trek logic, right? So right, 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 exactly. Non tricky wouldn't understand anything, right? Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you kind of be yeah, right, you're right. And it was just somebody funny stuff, and I was like, all right, well, if it if it if it is as funny, then I'm, I'm not worried about it. And yeah, um, that's basically it. And yeah, for a pilot episode, well, a lot of people compare it to the Orville, which I don't think is particularly apt, but you know, I understand what you're saying. But the show that for I understand, which I, sh- I haven't watched yet. And I'll probably make an effort to binge it. Uh, there's an animated show called Final Space that a lot of people like, right? All right. Uh, I, I, I won't go as far as saying that this might be the same case, but it's it's the animated equivalent of the Orville in a sense, right? It's this show that clearly caters to Star Trek, Star Trek aesthetic and and, and style, um, same similar space opera type of type of storytelling and, and episodic approach. But then it it does its own thing and and you know again make fun of a lot of stuff. A lot of people like like Final Space a lot. And then other people was kind of dogging this show for being kind of like that and not really living up to that. I don't have any reference point. I have not watched Final Space, so I don't know. Um, but that's a working comparison from what I understand. My attitude is that for a pilot episode, I thought it was pretty good. I actually enjoyed this episode. Nice, nice, nice. Yeah, um, it have it have kind of these four new characters. Um, the four main characters is one character, Mariner. This is, um, I forget, I'm going to just type in just actress names. But uh, yeah, is Mariner, uh, Boimler, um, Rutherford, and I think Tenny is her last her last name. These four characters, three humans, and a uh, 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 Orion uh, character. And basically, what it is is just she she's a new character comes in. She's she from Orion. Oh yeah, right. So yeah, so Mariner played by T- Tony Newsome, good voice actress. Noel Wells plays Tendi. Um, Jack Quaid, if you know who that is, that's from um, the show. Um, boys, I think. Oh, the boys. All oh, right, 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 right. Yes. I think it's him. Looking like All him. Right. I want to see him. Yeah, I think it's that, that guy from the boys. And then um, 
Then, although I'm not sure, I don't think that is the case. He's Dennis Quaid's son. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, then the then uh, Eugene Cordero plays Sam Rutherford. There's the four characters. And yeah, there's um, is these four characters is this two three humans, one Orion character. They're just going through the show, and it's just making fun of Trek stuff. And it actually, in my opinion, this does the whole what the Orville should be doing a little better for like for its first episode. So okay. the Orville, the Orville's whole bit is that okay, in my opinion, what the Orville tries to do, and I think it, it doesn't really do quite well. I don't say outright fails, but doesn't do quite well. It does is the whole schlubs living in the Trek universe. Like if you if you're a person living in the Trek universe, how you would be like a, if a normal person to live in the Trek universe, how would it be? How would right, it right, right. And As it, opposed to, you know, I'm 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 on this deck, you know what I mean? So I have to move a certain right, way, right. that kind of vibe, right? Right, right. And so the main character, uh, Mariner, she she's like the she's the schlubby character. She's a complete douchebag. She's just be really dismissive of a lot of stuff. She more believing in um, street smarts over book smarts. She's that character, right? Kind of an asshole. Right. But you understand how she could be an asshole and get away with being an asshole, right? And you reveal something about the character. Um, in the middle of the episode and well later in the episode it's verified um, and yeah I find it, it works for what it is it's very fast and efficient right mm-hmm. it, it's, it's a little frenetic I'll admit but it's only like what 26 minutes and basically what it did is put three track plot lines with a bunch of jokes in that 26 minutes for that first Whoa. episode it's fast like right. really really fast and it just but it, they, they, they deliver all the information you need to know within that that um first episode and it's funny enough like I, it wasn't too gut busting funny but it had a lot of great jokes i thought like enough good star trek jokes it's like oh yeah right you'll do that and you'll do this and you'll do that and you'll make fun of this and and you'll cover that um and yeah i uh i'm i'm reasonably happy with this as i said if it's anything as funny as the tng season eight twitter, twitter stuff i think it'll be fine I think it'll be actually quite good. Um, it, you know, I have faith in Mike McMahon. He's a, he's a pretty yeah yeah he had on his shoulders. I think solo opposite is solid business. Well, of course, Rick and Morty's great. And yep. um, yeah, I I can't be hard. I can't be mad at this. I'll watch out Final Space to make a comparison and see. All right, if Final Space is much better, or much more clever, I'll find out. I have no idea. I'll I'll make the effort. Um, but that that's about it. Um, yeah, it just it just worth mentioning. Yeah, so the first episode, Star Trek: The Lower Decks, Second Contact. Um, this new ship. The, the opening is is actually quite funny because the opening is kind of similar to like TNG or more like Voyager, but then they do a bunch of like bits in it. So like you'll okay. see them like ac- accidentally hitting something, uh, or they run away from a battle because like that is not a job, right? It's, oh, it's right, a, like, right. Yeah, that's the old joke now, and it's, it's like an engineering ship kind of thing, and they 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 make fun of a lot of great Star Trek stuff, like little small things like okay, the episode itself is have this massive crisis, but like when everything done, everybody like all right, well, you know that that's just this week. Yeah, <laughs> Right, you okay. know, it because making fun of the how you know Trek have all this insane traumatic bullshit that's going to people, but people just act as if, well, you know, we can move on, no big deal, yeah, that yeah. kind of stuff. Right, they make they, they they make fun of that. They make fun of a ton of stuff, holodecks. Um, you know, what what you'll be using on the holodeck. If if you were to have a holodeck, what you'll be using it for? Yep, they cover that. Um, they make them and they, they cover everything and they make it work for first episode. So I uh, reasonably hyped for this. I actually enjoyed the first episode for what it was. It's very fast. I'll admit. But it, it does it does its job reasonably well. Uh, so I recommend it. Um, All right. So dumb dumb question, right? Non trekkies will they appreciate the show or do they need um, to go in knowing at least a bit of you know Star yeah. Trek, especially TNG? Yeah. Well, it's one of those. It's I know I'll admit it kind of not for everybody, but yeah, yeah, I think you can jump in and enjoy it because it's funny enough. But yeah, it, it's 
it's for Chucky's because it's like a lot of the jokes heavily rely on oh what is a battlet and what is Romel and Eel and what is blah 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 you know these are the normal bullshit right and making fun of it's it's really right it's a little esoteric I'll admit um, mm. it does it does a lot of that but it's funny enough it just most of the most of the non Trekkie stuff is just kind of this um, is gags is 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 physical gags right and right. It's that like it had this whole bit with a spider. You'll see, right? It's, okay. Uh, which is good. Yeah, but it, yeah. It, it for the, tw- the twenty-six episode, it is a tough job to pull that off, and I don't think they they really like balance that yet. Which is, um, you know, a track episode is about an hour, right? Or well, let's say yeah. fifteen minutes or so. So to put, and that's already hard to do. Like track is two usually is an A plot and a B plot, in an hour. This had mm. an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot in twenty-five minutes. And right. Okay. And jokes, so it had a lot to fit and a lot to do. So that's why I felt they didn't really, you know, they didn't really spin all those plates particularly well. But for the most part, I think they did. It was fine. Because I can't be mad at any of this, right? For what it, what they try to do and what it, it, it's very ambitious in that sense. Mm-hmm. I well, you know how I feel about the Orville. Um, again, I'll watch Final Space. I haven't given that a chance. So I'll see if Final Space is any good. Um, but for one, Final Space is quite good, so I'll give that a chance and see. Oh well, this is like nothing compared to Final Space. But if if it's anything like Solar, Solar Opposites, we'll we'll probably get some some good stuff. So cool. Yeah, All right, I'll I'll probably wait for it to to finish. Well, the season to wrap up, and then I'll just do a full dive into it, or just probably right. watch it weekly, like like I assume you are going to do. Yeah, it's a nice. Is it? The thing is, it because it's short now. It's like just it's twenty six minutes. So you can just pop it in and and you deal with that quick. Right. 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 Okay, so moving on now to um, to some superheroics for a bit. So let's start off with uh, Doom Patrol Season 2. Right. Um, Ricardo, just for you to do this uh, quick run-through sure. of what it's about. But right. um, before I start, so I'll confess. Um, so the last time when I talked about the first three episodes of this new season here, um, I told myself and you guys that I was going to try to check uh, rewatch the first season. Unfortunately, I did not get around to it because just a lot yeah. of things happened. So, yes, once again, I had to go back in and try to remember things, figure things out and remember, oh, this guy and that character and this situation and that place and whatnot, right? So, yeah, it it, it was challenging in terms of that, but because right. I know the vibe of the show going in, I was just like, all right, I'll just trust the show enough to at least tell a decent enough story. So, even if I don't remember everything about it, I'll still be, right. you know... It'll still be intrigued, and you know, uh, as to what's going on here. But did it work though? Did did it did it work overall? Well, I'll I'll, I'll get to that in a bit. But right. Ricardo, what is what what is in a nutshell season two of Doom Patrol about? Right. So season two, they they, they continue straight from the events of um, you know, this is one. They get their safe, and you kind of find out the big the, the it build, it builds itself off of the one of the big events. So the big reveals of uh season one which is niles has a daughter yes right? and what they decide to focus on this time is well the basically her arc and i wasn't feeling this season until that final episode right and then that final episode kind of duped as well so here's the thing i did not watch over season one as well and i cannot mm. remember why these characters got so small i think it's because they were in the painting I, I think so, because this was, right. this, if I'm not mistaken, this is how, well, the last season ended, right? With them yeah, I vaguely remember there. this. Right, right. So they got out the painting. The other, the other two, well, um, oh gosh, I, I forget Alan Tudyk's character name. 
Oh, that would be um. Oh gosh, um, that would be uh, Mr. Nobody. Mr. Nobody, right? His character yeah. still trapped in the painting. He's still in the painting, stuck with his with his. Well, he had a he had a colleague as well. I forget the, the colleague name too. Sad. And basically, they focus on um this season. They they focus on the daughter, almost entirely on the daughter. Um, where it's all about apparently the daughter have imaginary friends and powers. She have a kind of similar power system to how Jane does work, kind of, but a little different. And this one focuses a lot on, um, well, you know, there's well, the, the, all the women. I think they, they focus a lot of, a lot on the women at the, on this one. So the daughter, they focus on um, the actress. Um, yeah, they, they focus on um, Rita. Yeah, and then they focus on Jane a lot. Jane had a big arc. Um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. It, it, it took me a while. Like Jane's arc was was the most aimless until the last reveal about her and then i was like oh shit that was like oh i don't understand what the hell going on here uh, yeah. um and then um that's pretty much it and they, they, they all the juice three characters they focus on and well cyborg has a little side thing they do but the the woman he gets involved with a woman and that woman has is her arc really it's all about and mm. then um larry trainer well negative man he has uh, a lot of stuff to do with his family and his is mostly his children and and memories and, and regret and all that stuff like that which kind of dragged but still was was pretty good stuff and yeah that was pretty much it it was well it re- starts off with the daughter and she is her power set is kind of strange but she has somebody called the candle man i think yeah um, the, the the candle, candle maker candle yeah. maker right and he was like kind of controlling her he's kind of this big devilish kind of figure similar to um that big bad guy from suicide squad um, oh um oh gosh with um yeah. Oh, you okay? I thought he was going to talk about Raven. Right, right. I thought he going to talk about Raven father for a bit or something like that. No, no, no. Well, no. It's, it's, it's um, yeah. It's, it's no Enchantress brother. Can't remember that. All right, that 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 figure, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's Suicide Squad. Sorry, we 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 right. we kind of forgot, right? <laughs> right. And yeah, uh, that's pretty much it. Just this focus on these these nine episodes, and I, they keep they keep it's a character driven season, right? I'll say well before I, I want to at the start, I just quick mentioning. This season is weaker for one real simple reason. No Alan Tudyk. Thank you. No Alan Tudyk. I thought I was the only one who was thinking that. Yeah. Alan yeah. Tudyk. Alan Tudyk. Um, you know, his commentary was like so clever and funny and made yeah. it work. So that's why I was like, no way. That is, that, that kind of hold back the show. But it didn't kill the show or nothing. Eh? It's just like, it's different now. It have a mm. different tone to everything. A little dour, but it still work. Um, as I said, I wasn't feeling most of the arcs, especially like the one arc I thought was not going anywhere, and then they reveal what it, the ending was about, and that was um, Jane's character and what she was about. That was right. interesting. That was actually mm. like legit interesting coming down to the end there when they reveal that. And then the ending has a really sub sudden ending. I thought, wait, episode nine is the ending. I thought I'm missing an episode. And it's like, no, that's the finale. It's like, all right. They kind of hit we are uh, um, a Titans kind of vibe going on, you know. Yeah. Uh, where they where <laughs> they go on, where we go and see the finale next next season, then. Yeah. You know, the actual which, which, finale. Which, which I which I hate by the way, because yeah. But I'll, I'll get to that in a bit, but right. Yeah. Um, Cliff, he had an okay arc with with the daughter, but it was really similar to season one. But it, I get where they was going for it with with Cliff funny memory stuff, and again when when Niles confessed to them last season and him trying to address a lot of that stuff. Um, but I, I felt this stuff didn't really go much anywhere. 
And then, yeah, that's it. I think that's it. But they had a little, little, little side stuff that really worked and it was funny. The best episode for me is the baby episode, right? So a certain character has a baby and it's absolutely hilarious. What I work. And then they, sp- they had some space stuff that was kind of cool too. That was okay. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, this one was not as only not as engaging as season one, only because Alan Tudyk wasn't here. Like if they had Alan Tudyk doing commentary or they got another character to do commentary, it would work. Or uh, at least be a little more interesting and lively. But I, I, I just it just wasn't as I, I don't want to say vibesy. You know, it was just different, right? So that's about it. Right. All right. So let me let me let me share my thoughts with it without spending too long, right? Because I know I know you all got stuff to do, right? I got stuff to do as well. So here's the thing. What what makes Doom Patrol work as a whole, right, is the whole, the theme of it. That's the idea yeah. of, oh, we're these misfits that society don't understand and they don't love. And, you know, we, we, we just have to find our, you know, we just had to, you know, unite now. We, we just had to find our own niche, basically, whatever you yeah, want to call yeah. it, right? Right. Um, so that would explain the, the tone of it, why sometimes it would be kind of dour, then it might be hilarious, it might be a little progress um transgressive, sorry. Um, then yeah. really over the top and all that kind of stuff. Like the, the, the show that the movie actually that it reminds me of a lot is um well, the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right, yeah. Right, which is well, you're taking like these transgressive teams and whatnot, you know what I mean? But they're using that to kind of explore, oh, you know, there's a freak in all of us, there's a misfit in all of us, all that kind right, of stuff. Right, yeah. That's it why up, it's yeah. such uh, you know, a you know, a well-known cult classic, right? But the point again that is, is that this this show itself, and this is not a problem for me, but this show really is trying, trying it. Eh? I wouldn't say it really la- um, hits the landings yet, but it's really trying to be a, 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 a cult classic of a show. You know what I mean? It's trying yeah, to be yeah. so distinct, so unique, so different, right? Um, right? It's not just off of the visuals, but it's the characters themselves, right? Like, you'd have guys like Flex Mentalo, you know what I mean, who we mentioned. Yeah, right. um, last last season he actually shows up in in uh well the episode that you mentioned with the baby which is yes the best episode right and then in, in that um, particular episode which actually is one of my favorites um we see characters from well you know the 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 figure you call it of danny the street right which i remember right, for the first right. time i saw it was like the weirdest thing ever because an actual street but it's an entity that could right, yeah. form into different things and in that street well the community that he builds well you know there are a bunch of uh well you know i don't want to say well, let me just say characters with powers, but a majority of them right. are, well, party LGBTQ community as well, right? right yeah. So, you know, it, it fits within that whole, it's weird, but, you know, you kind of had to just stick with stick with us for a while and then you realize, you know, you're not all that bad, you know what I mean? So that's kind of like the, the appeal of it, right? How weird it is, but once you go in, it's like, oh, yeah, I can kind of see a bit of myself in this character or that character or that kind of stuff, right? So that works. That, and it, it carries over well enough here. Also, um... I really dug how the, the characters themselves, like, okay, like the Mr. Nobody is 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 gone now, so to speak. Right. But here's more like, all right, well, we still have a lot of shit in our lives that we have to deal with, right? So everyone has their own baggage that they have to deal with. Um, the chief has to deal with um, his uh, with uh, with his daughter. And then, well, knowing that she is this harbinger of doom, you know what I mean? He, right. he kind of wants to spend more time with her, but then he kind of gives up the immortality that he had to save right. them from being shrunk. And now he just wants to spend the last remaining days of his life with her and all that kind of stuff. Um, same thing with, you know, um, forget the names here, with Niles, sorry, not with Niles, with um, Cliff, you know what I mean? Him yeah. wanting to reconcile with his daughter. Um, 
Larry wanted to reconcile with his son and grandson. Um, Jean trying to deal with all of her personalities. Um, there's a subplot involving one or two characters that are killed. I don't want to see how or yeah, and disappeared actually. So you know what I mean? It's her trying to deal with that. Very little bit more about where the characters came from and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, in a nutshell, and but the, the the one that I felt kind of didn't go anywhere was the one with Rita because it's this thing right. involving her mom, right? Who we learned in the first season was real pushing her to be this big actress, and they give us this reveal of her mom, and you know it kind of shatters her and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, How she finds out about it is in that same episode that we talked about, and right. yeah, it's some weird insane stuff, but it works. Yeah. Um, but the aftermath of it is where things got really really weird but overall very entertaining i really don't want to spoil anything beyond that but yeah to me this was the the weakest arc um and have right. one in, and it kind of went on with her being involved in a play but she was going to play the character that she actually is you know what i mean and what happened in a particular town i think it's near the end of season one so it kind of just went there right so that's what it is but a dog that the show is just like all right cool characters sorry super powered characters dealing with shit this is what they had to deal with right cool Here's the problems with the show now. Now, now to go deep into problems, right? Once again, that's seen too long. Um, as I said before, no Mr. Nobody Dread. No yeah. <laughs> Mr. Nobody. Yeah. Like, yeah, he was just such a great villain. And what I like too is how um how how he used to break the fourth wall. You know, he was kind of just talking to you and it's like, yeah. you're really, you're really getting what's going on here. You're really like this naval gazing superhero stuff. If, if this is your thing, I think he says in the first episode, like, yeah, if you like naval gazing superheroes, yeah, watch, yeah, keep on watching. You know what I mean? But here, because there's no big body involved, like, you have a few villains that show up, but mainly it's just, it's about Dorothy. That would be, um, you know, um, that would be um, yeah, Chief's Na- daughter. daughter. Yeah, yeah. Na- Niles' daughter, sorry. Yeah. And it's about her being this threat and this threat, but you don't really see it, you know what I mean? It's just all this talk about she's a big threat and something big is going to happen. It's only near any end that you, you do get the sense of what's right. going on. It's a moment where I was just like, dude, what's the point? And this is where yeah. she actually leaves now. She jumps on a, pl- uh, on a spaceship, goes to space. Great moment, actually, but the way how it ends where... Um, where Niles literally sacrifices um, Cliff, you know what I mean, in order to keep his daughter safe. Great moment to stop off at only within the next episode to show them back on Earth moving normal. Like, I thought he was going to stay in space. He was, can you say he's not going back home now? But I didn't mean that he was going to go to some team park and this is where the finals um, episode takes place. I'm like, what? You know what I mean? Yeah. But yeah, um, but really, really what, what brought this episode, what brought the season down for me was just our overall lack of focus. It just right. felt like it was just trying to tell a bunch of stories without really having something central. Like, okay, if it's about Dorothy, let's see Dorothy undergo this transformation when she becomes, you know, this right. big thing that everybody talking about. Like, cool, you have this stuff with her and the candle maker. That would be this entity, this imaginary friend inside of her. I get that. And then you have a, like a moment with her against Jean and all that kind of stuff. That's fine. But still, it just kind of came and went for me. And yeah, talk about this show, Dragon Boy. Oh, my God. Yeah, like, drugs. for nine episodes, boy, it drug. It really, really, really drug. Yeah. And once again, I get it. It's not about the superheroic stuff. I get that. But still, you have to have some kind of... You have to have something in it for me to be like, okay, 
if they don't do this, then yeah, all, all hell breaks loose. Now. And that's another thing. There was no real sense of urgency, right? It was just like, all right, well, one minute Niles is there with his daughter, then they go on. So, okay, now we have to deal with our stuff. But it was never like, all right, if we don't get these guys back or if we don't get Dorothy back, then something's bad going to happen. They just kind of had all these little side stories playing out, some of which work, others don't. But overall, when it just kind of comes together, it's just like too little, too late now. And that leads me to the final episode, boy. Now, yeah. I, did my, I did my research, right? I did my research. This was supposed to be a 10-episode run, if I'm not mistaken, as opposed to the 15 from last season. But because of COVID, they had to cut things down to, to 9. All right, okay. I get that. Okay, cool. So you had your ninth episode. Now, this is the big confrontation. This is where, you know, um, Dorothy unleashes her powers and all that kind of stuff. But the way how it ends is just so anticlimactic. But it just like it just stops at a particular point. So sudden, as even worse with the last shot, which I, I just had to groan at because I don't want to say which character it involves in, but it's just so so cheesy. I just took Mouthy showing immediately, but I just left a bad taste in my mouth. To be right. honest, but really the the why why I really didn't didn't like that episode at all, and why it I felt that it. I mean, it was just part of an overall underwhelming season. It's just that it just kind of... It was just like the slow pace that just kind of led up to this point and no payoff. Like, right, we get to yeah. the point, get to the moment that we want to see. But, oh, it's done. So, right. now we have to wait till whenever to see what happens next. Now, right. it, now I, I know they, they, they probably filmed a majority of the stuff before COVID, right? But at least, if you had a story that was going at a particular pace, at a, a, a much faster pace, I should say, not too fast, and you had a point of what was going on, I wouldn't have felt like I was just watching things right. happen. I was watching characters right. go through the motions. And yeah. it's only like in the last two episodes where things now start to pick right. up. You know what I mean? And that to me was is, what was the letdown of this whole season, man. Right. That, that's the sad part about the whole thing, is that it, it, it just they risk. I, I just think we just didn't get to see the ending. Uh, because I, I really liked what he was doing with the, with the stuff. Because clearly he was kind of doing a kind of carry paradigm with, with Dorothy. Um, you know, her quote unquote growing up and all something happens to her is the impetus for destruction. Um, I like that, right? Yeah. I like that. I find that that's a good good concept. And then uh, when they when they reveal um, what's going on with with um with Jane, yeah. uh with with, with, with the, well the, the quote unquote the girl in Jane, I was like, Oh shit, that is what they're doing. All right, I like that too. So yeah, yeah. right. So it's stuff like that. Again, it was leading up to end and we just didn't get to see the finale. As far as I'm concerned, the season and done. I saw basically had a less interpreted. Sorry. Um, yeah, but man, I don't know. Like, like I just felt it could have just gotten to the point quickly instead of just all these kind of seemingly pointless meandering. Well, I should say meandering, actually. Um, right. You know, acts involving these characters. Um, I will say, though, you know I mean? Acting is still great. I mean, well, Diane Guerrero plays um, Jean. She absolutely kills it here in yeah, the season. She because she, yeah, she's given a lot to do here, not just with personalities, but just with emotions and just with where the characters in inside of her, you know, were you know originated from and where they where they leading up to basically. Um yeah. I was kinda let down by the, the final episode where we kinda see Jean, you know what I mean, how she was from the beginning and what led her to become the Jean that we know now. Right. Um I felt like once again, like you like I understand, you know what I mean? Like if once again, if if, if it is that I knew that we were going to get a next half or the you know another episode after this, I would have let it slide. But here I just felt like, 
okay, now you're going to drop this on us. You know what I mean? Like, you could have bring this up a little earlier on in, in, the, um, in the series, man. You know what I mean? So, as a whole, right, before we get to your last thoughts and rating, um, I dug what the show was, was, was trying to do as far as the formula goes, you know, giving us these dramatic look, you know, giving us a dramatic look at these, you know, freaks, you know what I mean? These misfits, basically. And, and I like that, right? But it, it has to be more than that, you know, right? There has to be a story. There has to be some kind of conflict. There has to be some kind of big threat. I mean, as far as this subgenre of, like, TV shows go, right? I right. didn't really get that here. Dorothy was just here, there, doing stuff. And there's just this little threat. This, oh, well, maybe, you know what I mean? If we push her, eventually she's going to become the, um, gonna become this. And then it's like, yeah, just ha- you're just waiting, 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 waiting for the moment. And when it happens, boom, yeah, it, it, it just stops. It just right. stops, right? But... Characterization is good. Acting is great. Cinematography, great. I mean, this is still a very well-looking, sh- very, very gorgeous-looking show and whatnot. Uh, music, you know I mean? Kind of retro 80s music works for this type of show. You know, once again, cult films, you know, this is what we're going for. Other than that, though, I still found this to be a very underwhelming season. Um, not just because of the short season that we got, but mainly because kind of a lack of focus not a big threat nothing to really keep you engaged other than oh these are characters that i like and i like when they go through the motions but that's just it really and it's only near the end it was like oh well we really have to tell this story and it's like too little too late man so not saying it was on their part that they should have rushed things they could have rushed the, the final episode but still they could have gotten to the point way quicker man so rating wise i give this a decent two and a half out of five man it's I yeah mean, watch it if you want to but I, I, I'd skip this if I were you. <laughs> Just um, wait till the next season comes up, which, right. of course, will be, you know, you'll see what happens, what how the season would have ended. Right. And then you can just kind of watch everything from the very first episode, because I recommend doing that. And right. then just leading into that new season. I think that's the best way to kind of watch this. But this one kind of felt aimless, kind of didn't right. really go anywhere for me. And it's even worse because I did not watch the first season. So right. that's my thoughts. But your last thoughts uh, and rating. Uh, yes, yeah, so I'm out of 10 for me, and mostly because uh, it just, A, it have no anantudic, B, um, it just didn't tie, like, I get the feeling that the final episode of tie stuff together, because I thought episode 9 was tying stuff together. Um, it it was, it, but it just, right. it just stopped, and I got my hungry. Yeah, so whatever. It's like, if, if episode 10, episode, I just see this, well, whenever, they, 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 they clearly do the Titan stick, right? So it's it going to be the quote-unquote season finale as a season premiere kind of thing going to happen most likely next time or hopefully right so we think i don't think the show get canceled or anything like that i think you know once covid blow over we should be fine um so that is it all right so keep it with superhero shows again um let's talk about umbrella academy okay so you didn't so i did didn't not watch this. this no i didn't watch this yeah so um all right so my initial thoughts of the the first season is that um i enjoyed it for what it was though but i felt that well, in this case, it was just 10 episodes. I felt like it did seriously drag, though. Because um, we were talking about, like, close to 60-minute, well, 55, 60-minute episodes. Right. A lot of drama, a lot of downtime, you know what I mean? But um, a dog... And, you know, this is me going into this world for the first time ever, right? So, you know what I mean? It, it dragged a lot, though, but I got where they were coming from. So I wasn't blown away by it all that much, but... I dug the appeal of it, right? And, you know, and, and for me, I kind of wanted more action, but then it's only afterwards I realized it's not that type of show. Well, not exactly, right? right? So, unlike Doom Patrol, 
actually recapped the first season of Umbrella Academy. Why? Well, simple. Season one of Umbrella, 10 episodes. Season one of Doom, 15. Come on. Right. 10, 15. Ah, right. right. So, yeah. So, <laughs> I, and I took my time with it, right? Just kind of watch it, like, probably a couple episodes a day, all that kind of stuff. Right? I didn't binge it, right? Yeah, e- yeah. Uh, even this new season here, I didn't binge as well, which is probably why it's taken so long to talk about it, right? But long story short, um, where the season picks up is exactly where season one ends. Where um, okay, so in the first season we are introduced to the Umbrella Academy. This is uh, well, basically six characters, well six young individuals actually who have superpowers, right? Who have a special skill or whatnot, I should say, not powers per se. Um, They were all born on a particular day in I believe it's nineteen eighty nine or something like that. Um, and you're all and, and the women themselves were they, they just suddenly gave birth. That that's it. They just suddenly gave birth, right? Um so kind of like a like a Virgin Mary kind of thing. Kind of, right? And um this really <laughs> cross individual, really a flat out asshole, I should say, by the name of Reginald Hargreaves, played by Colm Fior. Um he he adopts them. And he pretty much trains them to be superheroes themselves. Yeah, just to save the world, basically, right? What happens, well, when the show opens, is that he dies, actually. And later on, we find out how he dies. But also, one of the six kids, um, this would be Ben, right? He dies as well, too. Um, it's, not, it's never really shown how it happened. But in the season here, they can explain that, you know, he was in the middle of a mission and he got killed, right? And he was, at the moment well, the most powerful person in that group. But in the first season, we realized that actually the most powerful individual is the character of Vanya, right? Who is, well, number seven, right? Um, actually, it's uh, it's seven characters, basically, right? Well, yeah, it's, it's seven characters. In the show itself, where we open up, you see six of them because Ben is dead, right? So long story short, we realized that Vanya, who's played by Ellen Page, right? A.K.A. Kitty Pride from the X-Men series. Um, right. <laughs> just to make a dumb little X-Men joke, she's basically Phoenix, right? She is yeah, yeah. this harbinger of death and destruction. She has this really cool skill set where if she focuses on a particular sound, kind of like a tuning fork, she would just kind of release this big kind of like um, force field that could just kind of knock people out or just destroy things, right? So she's just incredibly powerful. But where the, the, the first season open up, uh, opens up is basically her, like, like basically in the series we learn that she is, she will bring about the apocalypse, right? right. Um, and then we kind of see how it happens because in the process of the other members of the academy trying to stop her, um, a beam is shot onto the moon and it destroys the moon and a bunch of meteors just crash land into Earth, thus causing, you know, the end of the world, right? But what happens is that we have the character of uh, number five. Um, he doesn't have a, a maiden name per se, so they always call him five, right? So he has the ability to basically jump through space and time, right? So yes, we have t- the space-time continuum involved in this show here, right? So he manages to save his family before, well, the world ends, right? Right. What happens as the as this season comes in now, they pretty much wind up in the early sixties, which caught me completely off guard. So what happens is that is that not all of them crash land together, right? 
I want to say Crashland, we're talking two minutes of logic here. You know, big portal in the sky, characters drop down to the to the to the street, right? That's that's what we're working with here. This season has a lot of time travel tropes and references to shows based on time travel, right? right. Which might tick some people off, could be like, Yeah, I see this already, I know where this is going, but the way how they make it work in the story, I, I actually dug. But anyway, so Characters kind of crash land, but the problem is, is that they crash land in, diff- in different years. So some characters will land in 61 or 62 or whatnot. I think it's two or three characters. One, in, uh, one is um, Vanya herself, who lands in um, 63. I believe it's her. If, I, if I'm wrong, let me know. But right. five is the one who lands in 63. And when he lands, he sees, well... The apocalypse itself. What happens is basically the Russians invading America. It's this big war going on. It's a really, really cool scene, actually. Cause like he he lands smack dab in the middle of this war and he sees the other members of the academy fighting of the Russians. And well, they drop nukes and they get killed, right? So five being this person who already established in season one is the type of person who has to stop the apocalypse or else because he's that type of person and i mean the apocalypse is happening in 10 days or five days like i think it was in a week's time in the first season now right. it's 10 days before the, the the russians attack and well the reasoning behind it is well another another time travel true um troop has to do with gfk gfk is assassination so right. a plan will take place Kind of similar to Watchmen, kind of wink quick moment involving um, Dr. Manhattan, where right. America will be blamed for an attack. Sorry, Russia right. will be blamed for attack. This is, is both Watchmen and Terminator in a sense. So right. one country blames the other for attack. They launch nukes and response, boom, judgment date. So that's right. the right there, right? So now, basically, in 63, um, Five has to run into his other family members who have long since integrated into society because they realize well we can't go back home so we kind of have to do our own thing right and well eventually he meets up with all of them and it's like okay now we have to do this thing but um on the one hand now the group that he worked with which is called the commission these are basically these this company that um sorry this corporation that deals with the space time continuum they make sure that everything runs smoothly uh if need me they would go into certain um years or certain dates to fix timelines now so five well at the time he was older because another thing i forgot to mention he uh well in this show he's shown as this 15 year old kid right, right. but in actuality he's like in his 50s right because when he kind of went back to the present to meet with his family in season one he came back as a kid but actually he's really old right so at the time at the when he was working at the commission he was this like hired assassin and actually, in the first season, we had two of those assassins go after five. This would be um, this would be the characters of Chacha, uh, who is played by um, Mary J. Blige, and Hazel, right, who is played by Cameron Britton. Um, Chacha is killed in the first season, by the way, but Cameron Britton, was, sorry, Hazel, shows up in season two, basically to do the come at me if you want to live thing to, to five, basically to save his life, and then he gets killed, right? But he learned something about the GFK assassination, and this is where things spring up. So, long story short, our characters are in the 60s, early 60s. They have to deal with their own little personal problems, but they all have to team up to stop this big threat. The question is what the threat is. And kind of a slight spoiler, it involves Vanya again, right? And it's kind of ironic because she kind of ends up being amnesic, uh, being, uh, being, uh, being an amnesiac, sorry. 
So once she kind of finds out what her powers and skill sets are, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, she can bring about the end of the world once again. And that's it as far as the, the, the premise goes, right? So um, just to get this out of the way, I dug the hell out of the second season, boy. This was a massive step. Well, I don't want to say massive, but this was a considerable step up from the first one, but I was so, so shocked. Like, first one I was complaining about, oh, well, you know what I mean? It, it dragged and it just felt like it was just moving really, really slow and going nowhere. This one, the pace was, was tighter. It moved a lot faster. For one thing, the episodes are a lot shorter. So um, instead of like 55 minutes, you get in like 40, 45 minutes. So you know, everything just moved at such a pace. And what I love too is that it wasn't to the detriment of really what the show is about. Because like Doom Patrol, it's about the characters themselves. It's a very character-driven story. Yeah. It's about yeah, you know what I mean? I have these powers and, you know, our dad was a dick. Like, he really, really was a dick. Like, almost the point that you wonder why he adopted them to the first place because he just kind of, he wasn't, like, torturing them or anything like that, but he kind of subjected them through a bunch of, just, just mentally breaking them down. Now. But in his mind, he would be like, well, you know what I mean? You have to be strong, you know what I mean? And all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, the man was a dick, right? But you've really felt it for, for Vanya's character. Because at first you're wondering why she's so sheepish, why she's all so quiet, right? And it's basically because, well, Reginald told her and kind of conditioned her to believe that she had no powers. It was even to the point that she didn't even have, he didn't even have her go on missions with her, with her um, you know, with her family, you know, basically. So she was right. just meant to believe this lie that she didn't have any powers. It's only when she realized that she have it, it's like, well, you know, it's serious. Though. Hence the whole Phoenix thing, right? Um, and yeah, it pretty much happens again. But in this case, they, they, they spin it very well, though. Especially with the character of, well, sorry, with the, with the actress herself, Ellen Page. Because um, what they do, they have a really, really great subplot, I must say, involving her being saved by um, this woman who owns a farm. And, um, well, they kind of have this relationship together, but she is married and, you know, her, well, eventually the husband finds out what's going on. And if you think about the, the time itself, it's just like, oh, you know what I mean? It's a disease and all that kind of stuff. You know what I mean? Well, you know, her being in love with, with, um, with his wife, basically, right? And that's even worse now because, well, Vanya, right? So Russian, right? Yeah, because she was born in Russia. So, you know, the whole 60s stuff, Cold War, communism stuff, it's there, right? But in the context of what's going on with her character and this woman, I thought that was great. I actually really, right. really love that that subplot. And where it, it ended, though, I, I really dug that as well. There's also, um, she also has a, well, sorry, not Vanya, but the woman has a, has a son who's autistic. And they actually work something around him where he may have powers as well. And I don't want to spoil anything beyond that. But yeah, I thought that as far as arcs, story arcs, everybody's arcs was, um, as far as the main characters, I dug every arc in this. Um, from Luther, right? He is number one. He's Space Boy. He is this kind of hulking kind of character. Not so much like a Hulk, but he has like proportionate, it's almost like um like a ape torso he has, right? And it's in the first season you learn how he got that body. Basically, um, Reginald injected him with um, ape, you know, um, genes inside of him, basically to save his life. Right. 
So yeah, he has the proportion of an ape, but he, you know, he's a man basically, right? He has a great subplot, uh, basically involving, you know, him being this boxer working for this um, this shady mafia guy, right? But it's once again what, what I love about this um, show here. It, it kind of goes back to what characters are going through personally, right? So it's always like in his case, learning that his father didn't even care for him. So it's even to the point that the man had him sent to the moon to be there for about three, four years, literally right. for nothing. Yeah, so it's it's like that. Uh, we have Diego, aka number two. He's a guy who, you know, he, he's just able to to. Well, his skill says that he has these these um, special blades, and he's able to throw it. You know, he, they're able to curve at a certain trajectory. You know? So think, um, oh gosh, this guy from um, think Bullseye from the yeah, right, right, except with with right. blades, right? And his thing is just that he's always trying to live up to his father's expectations. So in the first season, he's this vigilante while pretty much everybody else, not about that superior life, he's still fighting crime, but it kind of comes back and bites him in the ass, basically. I don't want to say how you have to watch your first season. But here, it's like, okay, well, my dad's involved in this trek to kill JFK, so now I must prove myself and I must be the best hero ever. But it's like, no, you don't have to do this alone, right? And there's a nice subplot involving him and the commission. I don't want to spoil that. Uh, we have Allison, right? She is played by, well, she is played by Emmy Reaver Lampman, right? She is actually going to be the one who replaced, um, oh gosh, that girl, um, that actress, um, uh, Kristen Bell, sorry, in um, the show that you mentioned that reviewed right, uh, uh, Central uh, Park. Central, okay, okay. Yeah, so she's the one that will be replacing her because yeah, she's mixed, right? So well, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Was, it, was the actress name? Um, Kristen Bell. No, you, no, you. um, it's not Kristen Bell. Oh, um, her real name. Okay, it's um Emmy Reaver Lampel. Okay, alright, I'll look it up. Alright, let's see. Lamp Lampman, sorry, Lamp Lampman, right? Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, yeah, so yeah, she she's replacing Kristen Bell because well, she's mixed, right? So okay. Right. <laughs> Right, but anyway, so her skill set is, well, she's called the rumor, right? And what she does is that she's able to tell, like, basically tell someone, I heard a rumor that, and she just finishes the line and the character will do anything she says. So okay. this is a this is a great moment where she says, um, I, I heard a rumor that you're, you're, you, um, I just blew your minds. And yeah, people's minds literally blew up, and it's awesome, yeah, right? Okay. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird skill set, but they make it work, right, in, in terms of this show. Right, okay. Um, but what they did here, well, it's it's a nice little setup in the first season because, um, well, she had a white husband and she had a mixed daughter, right? Um, and because, well, she was an actress actually, right? But because the husband found out that she used to tell rumors to her daughter, yeah, they, they, they pretty much split her. So it's just kind of her trying to deal with that relationship. So here in this season now, she well, she marries a black man, right? But here's the problem: it's early sixties, right? So we are talking right. about civil yeah. rights. So yes, he is for civil rights. He's a civil rights activist, and yeah, she constantly has to deal with racism. Like, you know I mean, like there's a there's a subplot involving this particular diner. So every time she goes there, it's like whites only. You know what I mean? And that kind of stuff, and it leads to some you know police presence and you know almost close close to close to riots and all that kind of stuff. So it's crazy like that. Um, we have Klaus, right? Who is well, apparently one of the favorite characters in the show, right? Um, he's number four. He is a drug addict. He's well, drug and alcohol addict. 
addict sorry um he's also gay as well you know what i mean there's a subplot involving him and um well being transported into the vietnam war and falling in love with a soldier who dies there and i really love it in the season here where yeah you see a a, a younger version of that same guy who died right and right. he's about to go into the war right but it's like um closest trying to warn him you know don't go and all that that kind of stuff but his skill set basically is that he could communicate with the dead, right? So he could channel spirits and all that kind of stuff. So a subplot which carries across from the first season to this one is that he can see Ben. He can see his dead brother, right? And they do the whole, yes, I'm talking to a ghost, but you're not seeing me talk to a ghost, so I'm looking, I look crazy. They do that bit, but they make it work because, well, the actor who plays Klaus, uh, Robert Sheehan, um, he's excellent in this too. He's just that that this that that lovable loser. You know what I mean? Like at, at first it's like I just hate this guy, he's just such an idiot. But right. you know, because he's so charming and dumb and idiotic, you, you kinda like him, right? He's a comic relief, right? But here he ends up starting this cult. I don't want to see how it happens, but it kind of fits with the whole sixties vibe of the show. Um and then it's just kinda like him just trying to deal with the fact that people kinda see him as a fraud. People can you know what I mean he is a fraud, right? And him just trying to get out of that. Um, am I forgetting anybody else? I don't think so, right? But yeah. Um, oh, yes. And also, well, yes. Um, number six does show up. Ben, as I said before. Um, Reginald actually shows up as in, well, their the, the father. But in this case, of course, he doesn't know who, who these characters are. And yes, he is involved in a plot to assassinate GFK. But what the reveal around that leads to third season. But I don't spoil it with that. So, positives, right? A dog, the cinematography, this, this is a really, really gorgeous, really well-looked, um, shot, well-directed um, show. I mean, a dog, the, the visuals for this, the colors, the 60s aesthetic. It also has great choices of music, you know what I mean? Most times, the, the, the show does admittedly rely a lot, a little too much on music. Like, every fight scene must have music, or every action right. scene must have a billboard hit song or whatnot, right? But it still works in giving it its own style, right? Yeah, this show is stylish to the core, though, but it has a lot of substance to it, and it's just mainly on these characters and them having to deal with, you know, the situation here. Um, as far as the situation goes, as far as the premise goes, I really dug this. I dug how urgent it felt. I dug that it's pretty much the Days of Future Past scenario, where right. characters from the present go to the past, and you have to change this and alter timelines and all that kind of stuff. And yes, they do draw on other familiar, you know, time travel tropes and whatnot, but it didn't I didn't mind it at all. It was just like, yeah, it's a nice little reference to this show, like the Back to the Future, Terminator and all that kind of stuff, right? Um and just the pacing of this I thought was excellent though compared to last season. It just kept me engaged. And I mean you have your dramatic moments, but you also have your humorous moments. You have your little goofy moments as well too, but it didn't take right. away from the urgency and the threat of what's going on as well. I really, really dug that. And yeah, when they took these characters, though, you know what I mean? Especially like with, um, like I say, with Allison and Vanya and those characters, and just related to, you know, the race relations and, you know, just sexual orientation in the 60s at that time, I thought well, um, worked as well. And yeah, I mean, I, I was really amazed how great the season was, though, compared right. to the last one. This, this was a case where I was so happy that I did watch the first season out from it to get into this one. I will say, though, um, you don't necessarily have... Like, if you're watching first season, you should be able to kind of catch up on what it is, go, what, what goes on in the second season here. You don't have to do a deep dive like I did, right? Um, and it's great, too, because the show 
does ever so often kind of show you hints of, hey, this is what happened in the last season. So you don't have to worry right. too much. But if you haven't watched your first season at all, if you're going into the show blind, yes, you have to start from the series premiere onwards because it only makes sense. And oh. yeah, I was really stunned at how great this was. It, it actually made me really love the show even more than I did the first. Well, the first time, I mean, first season, I was like, yeah, this, this is all right, this is fine. But this not, now I'm like, yeah. I, I really dig this. I really, really dig this. So, yeah, I don't know when we're going to get season three, but, oh, last thing that's before I get to rating, where they stop season, where they stop the season at, yes, it is very familiar of a certain time travel show. That's all I will say. Okay. <laughs> it's all I will say without spoiling. It's, it's related to a movie that had an alternate ending that dealt with a character who had to go back to the present, but it didn't play out the way it did. That's all I will say. Without right. spoiling anything any further. They do that. They do that in this one, in, in the finale. But they had a particular twist to it though. And I was like, yeah. This yeah. Yeah. Um right. oh yeah, so last thing last before I get to written, um the VFX, the special effects for this, uh top notch for a for a Netflix show, I should say. For a TV right. show, yeah. It has some really, really great special effects. Almost like yeah, it's it's almost like you're watching a movie, right? So yeah, I talked long enough. Um, I'm giving this a light four and a half out of five, man. I was just really blown away by how this show stepped up, though. I was really amazed. So right. yeah, this is this is up there as one of the best, I should say, seasons of a TV show I've seen all year, man. So yeah, Ricardo, if if you if you're not on board, boy, now's the time, boy. Now's the time to okay. get on board with right. Umbrella Academy. Yeah. All right, and last things last, let's talk about Black is King. Yeah. Um, this is the latest visual album a latest film to be directed by you know we gill beyonce um Noel's carter um right. last year we talked about well from netflix um homecoming which was one of my favorite shows of that year i was blown completely away by it this right. is that was probably one of the best concert films i've ever seen in my life um just the way how they were able to to balance two Two performances, similar performances on the Coachella stage and just, you know, the energy that keep Beyonce put into every song, into every performance. Um, the musicians, the dancers, everybody that she brought on board. And then, of course, knowing that, you know, it's about black excellence. You know, it's just getting the best out of these black universities and getting them, giving them a platform to shine and really show their talent. So, yeah, I kind of became part of the beehive, you know, thanks to that particular movie. But here with Black is right. King, uh, well, I want you to do the synopsis, right? But uh, what what makes this interesting? Well, for one thing, this is off of Disney Plus, right? So, right. And I heard a lot of people subscribe to the station, um, to to Disney Plus, sorry, just for this one show, and it's not surprising to me. But also, it's what it's based on, right? So, um, we talked about Lion King last year, right? This is the live action quote unquote remake, right? Where right. yes, Beyonce did the voice for Nala, right, for adult Nala. Um, she had a companion album that she put, that she put out called The Lion King, The Gift, right? Which was right. a album that I reviewed on my IG account. You can check it out there. Where I enjoyed it for what it was. I enjoyed how she incorporated um, African rhythms, you know what I mean? And melodies yeah. and stuff like that. And artists themselves into the album itself. Um, Spirit, of course, which was like the, the big single for the movie was there. And, you know, it was just her kind of embracing, you know, this African music basically. And it worked for me. I wasn't blown away by it, mind you, but I'll get to that in a bit. You know, we have Black is King, right? Which is on Disney. You know what I mean? I, literally a year after the Lion King movie came out. So it's like, all right, okay, this is actually something, all right. 
But yeah, Ricardo, take it away. What is what is Black is what is Black is King about? Right. So it's effectively well, it's the Lion King story, um, but done in this weird artsy piece narrative of you know King fall from Greece. Well, Prince falls from Greece, then goes to the underworld, underground kind of culture, and then returns and is reminded of you know royal past and royalty history. And but it's told through art pieces and a bunch of music videos true from Beyonce who's inspired by a ton of like Italian and African cinema and like cinema history um yeah like a lot of John Acomfra and you know Lucio you know if, if you don't remember the names it's fine but um, yeah there's, there's there's one particular director that I want to bring up in in my in my thoughts for the show Right. And um, if if you know the scene, you'll you'll probably know who I'm talking about. But go on. Right. Yeah. No. It's 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 very yeah. So there's a little bit of John Acomfra in my opinion, and and you know a, a little bit of Lucio. Oh gosh, what's the guy named Fabio Lucio? I think is his name. Um, I no, I, I only know Lucio Fulci, but I know that he, Lucio right. Like, yeah, he does... Lucio Fulci. Lucio okay. Fulci. Okay. All right. Yeah, Lucio Fulci. And yeah, it's that. It's it's a lot of like film. It's that film stuff film imply you know a lot of um it's almost like a student doing film stuff because the only thing that is, i didn't like about it was just only lion king actual like uh audio in it i felt that kind of yeah cut, but... that, that that's the one gripe that i have with it show like right but but, other, it, but, other... to, but, the, but to the show's defense sorry it's on the album it's sec- right. well, sorry it's interludes that they have exactly so i don't really have a yeah so i, I kind of get that but still uh, but that's about it. It's just a bunch of series of music videos. They're good. It's just a bunch of bangers. Um, this insane costume budget for some reason. And, you know, OMG, baby. Yeah. Costumes <laughs> this way. Yeah, wow. special effects. The, 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 just the style of everything. Just, everything just blew me away. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, that's just my first take on it. So, you go ahead. All right. So, let, let, me, let's get the, let me just get out of the way. I loved this movie. Yeah. yeah. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. Here's why though. So, um, right. So I've, I've I've mentioned before in my review of Nostalgia Critics: The War, right, where I've always loved the idea of visual albums. I always loved the idea of movies that are basically concept albums put to put put on screen, right? So visual albums, so to speak, right? And yeah, I mean, um, Pink Floyd: The Wall from 1982 is that, right? Oh yes, rest in peace to Alan Parker who directed that film, right? Um, and I got the same vibe from it here, but here, well, while that film had a narrative which was already loose and already meandering, this one kind of has a narrative. It's all based of what you know about Lion King and just the, the basic bare bones premise of it. And I'll admit, at some point in time, it does kind of lose focus. Well, sorry, I should say lose focus. It kind of doesn't care for the story anymore because it's trying to tell something else. But this is what I kind of loved about it, the way it kind of transcends itself, kind of, where it's not just about, we're not just telling the story about a boy who becomes a king, right? We're talking about black excellence as a whole. We're talking about just the idea of, um, you know, the, the knowledge of the, the old being imparted onto the young and whatnot. Um, I, I, I saw a lot of, like, imagery as far as, like, life and death, basically, and reboot, especially right. in the last like 15 20 minutes of it have a lot of like death and reboot vibes it um yeah. actually one of these days like i don't know if i should just kind of rewatch this 
and just study it free my frame and just do my own little like review of it like uh, sorry analysis of it because yeah there's a lot of things going on i think if if like maybe if somebody does a video fit like that um i'll really pick up on what's really going on because yeah there's a lot but rightfully it's done in this very loose very free-flowing kind of narrative so it's almost a point that you don't even have to care about the story to be honest it's just about song imagery what's being said and yes for each and every single song being presented here the imagery is just so so excellent but oh my god the shots that would just stick with me for a long while though and um as someone who honestly wants to do a film like this one day or well wants to do a visual album one day um i was just like digging the shots by the cinematography for this wondering oh where the lighting how they do the lighting for this um where did they shoot this how they get all these people to be involved here um the camera work what camera they use and all that kind of stuff so yeah i don't know about you ricardo but i was watching this but i was just like thinking about the technicalities of the of of these segments that like how you shot this we do all that kind of stuff yeah was it was it as interesting um for me i was like well it's fine uh you know it it, it don't have anything that was mind-blowing but it's still yeah it was there yeah like like you you, well i I admit i mean it's not the most incredibles incredibles right um (laughs) thing that has ever been made on god's green earth but as far as how am I, once again, just similar to like what, what I said about the Pink Floyd review, how am I able to take this song that, you know, you just normally hear on your headphones, like, yeah, this is a nice song, but how am I able to take that and really create these grandiose image, images there and really make it stick out to you? Um, in this case here, how do we promote black excellence in this, right? How do we really show the, the, the fact that, yes, being black is great, you know what I mean? And yeah, I, I thought that they succeeded like ex- uh, w- very well with this though. Um, I know for some people they might find it to be too much of a like a passion project. Like, oh yeah, you know what I mean? It's just Beyonce just trying to have the best of the best of the best, you know what I mean? And making everything so great because it's Beyonce, right? You know what I mean? But it's not that it's about her. At, at times, it may feel like it's about her. Like, uh, especially the, um, which song? Uh, the song with uh, Jay-Z in it. Right, yeah. Uh, um, that would be mood forever right yeah this one is way like i, I mean i love this sequence eh? i love it right but i admit at some point you kind of watch this thing like this this is really about you and, and jay-z just sure enough how horrid yeah, yeah, yeah. right yeah, <laughs> yeah. a great scene that i know will piss some people off with you know whatever them having a white butler i love that right, actually. Yeah. i love that it is yes the show is all in your face black excellence uh, excellence and black pride i love that but it's not like Oh, you know, we were black, so we're superior. So it's more like, right. no, we should be proud of who we are. We should spread that proudness throughout the world and, you know, impart it to our, the, to the next generation, basically. And that, to me, is what the point of the show is. No, no, yeah, yeah. I, okay. I agree with all of that. Just, it's just, it's, just it, it's still Beyonce doing, like, I get it. I, I, I know, I know. It's, right. it's, it's all here, right? She's, right. Let's uh, just to take a, a quote from, you know, um, Suge Knight, she's, she's all up in the videos, right? It's that. But <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's too much because too much of it is, is her, you know, referencing herself as the, 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 the Madonna. And, you know, uh, yeah, I'd say no, no, but it's just, it's good production value. I'd say no, yeah, but yeah, it's yeah. too much of a thing project. Good. It's too much of a, 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 a what you call a, what you call a person project, a person project. Yeah, it, it, it is a, a passion project. True and true, yeah. it is, right? But, 
I, you know, it, it is. It is. It is. I mean, if if we could be honest, it is right. But it's what's put into it, though. Just the amount of detail and effort, yeah, and yeah. money, and you know, we put into it is just jaw dropping. Actually, um, let me just so quickly about just the, the stuff that uh, I love, right? Costume design, OMG, yeah, it's just so much costume um, changes all throughout the show. I was wondering if Ruth Carter was involved in this actually, but no, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but she's not because she has she has better things to do actually, right? I guess. Uh, I mean, she done she did she did dress the characters of Black Panther, but you know, whoever. But um, yeah. But the, as, um, the thing is, is is yeah, because like and some of the, the second video in particular had some good costumes and that I find that is um as I say, it has some real last angel in, in history stuff. Eh? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, people have been going crazy over the hairstyling in this show. I uh, don't blame them, Dread, because yes, the, the hairstyling just goes here, there, haha, <laughs> here, there, right? And everywhere, boy. And it works too. It's not just, oh, I'm just going to have my hair be like this for the sake of it. It's, once again, you know what I mean? Just harkening back to, well, just African women, right? African beauty and all that stuff. Um, c- cinematography is next to perfect, in my opinion. I really, really dug it. Um, I love how they just shot in. Well, I know they, they shot some some of these um, scenes. Well, I know they, they probably did a few like in the States, but I know they did stuff like in Nigeria and, you know, stuff like that, like in Africa itself, right? So, yes, the the um, the exterior shots really look great. Some great city shots, some great night shots as well, too. Um, yeah. What else? Um, and just the camera work itself, though, just how it was just, just basically how they were just able to use typical... I really have to say typical like music video techniques, like modern techniques, and just apply it to this film here. Okay, yeah, be pretty much what it is is just a series of music videos, but it all fits to it. And um, one thing I really love though is the well, the use of the kind of film camera kind of thing where it kind of gives this sort of a documentary feel, you know what I mean? So I yeah, dug yeah. that it kind of adds a different layer to it. It, it all it, and it also gives it this, like you see, it kind of gives this sort of old school, like. 60s, 70s African cinema vibe to it, which, which I really dug. Um, one scene, though, that, that blew me away, though, it is to me the best scene in the whole, um, best video, best song, is My Power Boy. That blew me away, Dred. From the from the set design, which I was wondering if it was, in, if it was done in VFX or if it was real, though, with this white background but you're seeing this like african you know um style on the walls and whatnot you've seen all these pillars and columns and stuff like that like i was wondering if that was real or not right but anyway the women who perform in this store from tierra wack to moonchild sonali i believe that's all her name is just right. blew me away though and that's the hook of it you cannot take my power my power like oh my god i believe if i'm not mistaken there's a there's a tiktok which is yes, close to being RIP. Uh-huh. Um, challenge the the my power challenge, where just people basically dancing to that um, to that hook. Though. But the hook is killer. I love the hook. But anyway, um, as far as like what I was saying about the director, I was thinking about. I don't know why, but the the background itself. You know what I talk about, right? With the white and black thing. Um, if you notice with Beyonce's outfit, right, with the big you know hat that you wear, that it remind you of the Holy Mountain. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Yeah, it, that in itself had a real Alejandro Hodorowsky feel to it, but yeah, like, yeah, I couldn't yeah. help but think, yeah, this is some Hodorowsky shit right here. No, it's, it's, a lot of, it's a lot of old film stuff, Hodorowsky, a lot of Comfra, you know, a drop, his name dropping. Yeah, yeah, and yes, as we mentioned these characters, as we mentioned these directors, yes, the show is artsy, it is very, very, yeah. very artsy. 
But I think that the artist works with it too. And, you know, at the end of the day, yeah, I mean, we, we, we kind of need stuff like this. You know, we, like, you don't see an art film of this magnitude in a long while. And um, I don't know how this, mo- how this movie is going to hold up years to come. Um, well, the album itself is, is solid. I mean, but I will say that the movie make me appreciate and love the album even more. So that's amazing. Compared to something like Lemonade where the, where the album was great. And then, you know, the, the visual album that came with that was just... That was just a nice compliment to the greatness of Lemony. But in this case, it just kind of took a pretty decent album and made it great, in my opinion. But um, as far as its longevity, um, I believe it does have longevity. Right? Um, I, I, I would like to see, you know, more people kind of go back to it and be like, you know, it has a lot of things in it that, you know, we didn't pick up on and stuff like that. I know, like, Illuminati, you know, hunters will, will go nuts over a show like this, right? But, right. yeah, there's a lot to kind of dissect and unpack with this show. And I, I love that. I love I love the aspect that there's a lot of meaning to it, right? And maybe if yeah. I look at it, I'll learn more. But even if you don't care about that, you can still kind of watch it and be like, yeah, I just love the music. I love the, the imagery and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it is what it is, man. Um, and last thing last for this, I have one other gripe, though. You have Jeezy in this. You have Pharrell in this. Yeah. You have Burner Boy, who had a great, 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 great yeah. video. But you, 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 but you couldn't get Challenge Gamino. And Kendrick to be to be in your show. That was studying. You could take you could take <laughs> like all the album true. Like, you, you exactly. Could, like oh, how hard is it to have both of them? Because they just give like short little bars basically. Yeah, right? was 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 he guest stars in this? He fully guest stars. So I know Pharrell was in this. Somebody act. some famous actor was in this. Um. Oh, Lupita Nyong'o was in this. Lupita Nyong'o, right? Channel right. Which um black um brown skin girl. I love right. that song. Yeah. That's uh, Naomi Campbell, I believe, was she was in that video too. Right. Um, Kelly Rowland was in this. I think Michelle Williams. Right. So. I was, right. I was not saying right. We had a little Destiny's Child, right? Yeah. Now, now. Yeah. So yeah. We had a little Destiny's Child uh, reunion. Yeah. This. But but that 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 video that sec that sequence was so so gorgeous too. I I, I love that. And yeah, at the end of the day, that's what it is. It's just really to that really supposed to make you well subliminally. It's supposed to make you love the songs, but really, it's just to be like. Yeah, proud to be black. I love this. You know, mean black pride, man. And yeah, we 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 needed this in, in, in twenty twenty. Um, I'm not sure of, about the longevity of it, but yeah, I imagine a lot of people are gonna go back to this and be like, yeah, this had so much to it, so much depth to it. You know what I mean, I actually see more people going back to this than compared to like Lemonade, for example. But um, I think I talk long enough about this. I'll just do my my, my quick rating one time. Um, I'm going with a decent, uh, strong four out of five for this one. I yeah. dug everything about it. It kept me engaged, and it's great that it's only 95 minutes long, so it didn't take too much of my time. Right. Yes, it's Beyonce all up in your face, and well, me personally, right. I don't mind watching Beyonce for 95 minutes, but still, yes, it's clearly a passion project. This may take, make or break your your enjoyment factor of the show, but um, right. I got where she was coming from. You know what I mean? I, I kind of got why she did why she did it. And yeah, really, just once again, just carrying over this theme of black excellence and pride from Homecoming as well, too. And yeah, I mean, last thing, last, just want to say, I mean, Beyonce as a director, man, I mean, wow, you know what I mean? Just taking what she knew, what she knows, sorry, about music videos and just kind of incorporating it into what is primarily an art film. So yeah, props to her, man. So yeah, this is this is right up. This is one of the best shows I've seen for the year. Um you have to kind of go in knowing what to expect to, and I'll just recommend that you do. It, it will help if you check the album out first, but you don't necessarily have to because the songs are there anyway. 
but yeah, I, I dug it. I think that, you know, if you're a Beyonce fan, you should definitely see it. If you're a fan of art films, you should see it. If you just want uh, a totally unique film experience, yeah, by all means, check out Blacklist Kingman. So, uh, last thoughts, comments, criticisms, and rating on Blacklist King. Yeah, no, um, yeah, I give it a, a decent enough score. I give it like an 8 out of 10, if it's anything. 7 out of 10, maybe. Um, it just... Uh, it's too it, it too self-indulgent for me to enjoy it. And then it, if it was a little more, I don't know, vague in its material, and I didn't know it was so directly connected to Lion King, I probably would have enjoyed it a little more for on its own merit for what it was. But because it's so much of a Lion King thing, like I get it as Disney, I suppose I did trade off there to go with. Um, but this is how big, powerful people do the powerful things, right? You know, Beyonce come to talk to Disney and say, hey, look, I want to make this insane, you know, uh, film, uh, art film project, and she they just yeah. tell her, Yes, cool, that's it, and we, we get that. Um, that's it. I, I don't have much else to say about it other than you know, look, look, look up Last Angel of History and you know, shit like that, right? Yeah. Uh, what, 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 holy mountain, you all? What, what, yeah, the holy mountain, right? Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> all these references, yeah, it's all these references to stuff, so that's pretty much it. Um, nothing else must see. All right, cool, cool, cool. Okay, with all that being said, Ricardo, where can we find you online? I'm Passat, R-M-E-D-D-Y, that is at R-M-E-D-Y on Twitter, and then you can type, type in Ricardo Medina on Facebook. All right, you can find me on Twitter as well, just look for Bear Beat Bailey. On Instagram, you can find me at Bears Beats and Bailey. On Facebook, just look for my name, Matthew Bailey, along with the Legally Black blog, official fan base, where you find the link to this podcast, as well as the ones that we've done over the past five seasons, including retrospect reviews. Last things, last, just things to look forward to. Um... We're finally going to talk about uh, Stargill Season 1, which should be wrapping up next week. It's recorded here. Right, so, yeah. um, I I mean, all I saw was the, the series premiere, so I have a lot of catching up to do. So, thankfully, because Umbrella Academy and Doom Patrol are out of my way, I could jump into that. Speaking of superhero-isms, um, there's also uh, Project Power, which right. I really would like to see. Um, not just because of the cast, but um, also because of the premise. Basically, it's like... Um, What's the show? Um, Limitless, but with um, right, yeah, but with uh, superhero ex um, superhero isms in it basically. So I, I I dug that. Also, there's um Transformers: War for Cybertron right. trilogy, yeah. really good to check out. Um, there's Deathstroke: Knights and Dragons. I haven't seen a review right. of it, but really okay. want to check that out. I'll get yeah. out of chance. Yeah. And um, what else? I think there's the DC fandom thing, right? DC fandom that's coming up. Right. Um, that came out, yeah. this month so right. it should be good i don't know what to expect uh, yeah good they hype up the hype up a new suicide squad game from rocksteady which is this is what everybody was hype about he was wondering what new dc project he was going to do everybody's thinking batman beyond or maybe even superman i was like nope we're in a suicide squad game I'm like oh, okay yeah all right well it should be good i mean rocksteady right so we'll see and yeah that's pretty much about it so once again guys good morning good afternoon good evening good night whenever this is this was match be the end Ricardo Medina and we are signing off for another episode of BS Beats and Bailey so to the next one take care stay safe in and out peace